The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. How has your week been? Have you been enjoying God? All right. Praise the Lord. I got a very, very heartwarming testimony this week. Someone, um, amazing testimony. He had been um, a bidding for a contract with the Lagos State Government. There were four, if we'll get the details maybe on Sunday, there were four aspects of the call, four different contracts. He was just believing God for one, bidding for one. And it even looked as if it was, it was dragging. A mega testimony. And he just he said, was it last week or is it this week or so? I can't even remember. He said the government just contacted him and they gave him all four of them. Awesome. May God do exceedingly abundantly above your expectation. If I'm not mistaken, he said the money or the profit that we make from this mobilize and they've mobilized them according to that, they've mobilized them for all four of them. It's more than everything they've made in that is business for the last seven years. Hallelujah. So I prophesy over somebody again. According to the word of the Lord, God will give you speed this season. You know, that's one of the ways God defines speed for us. I was sharing from Reverend George's um, testimony. God will give you breakthrough. What used to take you five years, you will have it in five months. Hallelujah. Amen. Remember when God blesses your neighbor, that means God is what? In the neighborhood. Can you look into a neighbor's eye and say, you are next. You are next. Your, 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 your testimony is next. Ah, someone didn't get it. Please look for somebody else that is interested. Your own testimony is next. Hallelujah. The Bible says God is no respecter of persons. If God does it for one, he will do it for another. Or he has done it for all. Okay, praise the Lord. So, we are learning about wisdom, studying wisdom. And I hope somebody has been learning something. And more importantly, practice, practicing what you are learning. Um, again, I want to encourage you not to fall into this mistake of coming to church, hearing the message of God or hearing the word of God. And if we do an audit of your life, remember one of the words God spoke to us this year, examine yourself. We cannot see a practicing of what is being taught in church. So in this church, for example, we teach people to tithe. Not just only do we teach you to tithe, we teach you to even learn to give over and above your tithe. We should not examine you, or God should not examine you, or even life should not examine you, and tithing is not part of your life. Something is wrong when, when somebody lives that way. It means you are not taking for yourself or taking to your heart the wisdom God is giving you. Because everything we, are, we teach in church is from the word of God. And the word of God is the wisdom of God. Can I hear loud amen? And the commandments of God are not burdensome. Oh, hallelujah. There is nothing God tells you to do from tithing, no, to praying, no, to soul winning, no. To anything that you can't take one step at least from where you are. You can start from where you are. You don't have to do what Pastor T is doing. That's not the point. But bless God, you can take your own next step. Particularly if you will listen to God's spirit. And I'm telling you, as you begin to take steps in, in the direction of what God is teaching you, your life will be better. Please take it from me. I've been doing this business. Permit me to call it business. Anyway, Jesus called it business. Father's business. I've been doing this for 20 years. Your life will be better. The person that shared the testimony was talking about the fact that um, they, 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 some of the things they did. Of course, it's the grace of God that brings the miracles. So it's not by our effort that miracles come. But you see, the, the things we teach position you for that grace to find expression in your life or to receive that grace. So he was just saying, thank God for the things you've been teaching and sharing in church. In fact, he, he, he referenced one of the sessions we had in Seven Days of Glory. That I think he said that after Pastor Kinsley's session, something Pastor Kinsley said, he now went back. Yeah, where Pastor Kinsley said, go and get back your promise again. Because the contracts had been delayed. And they had just allowed things like, we just went to get it back after Seven Days of Glory. And by this time tomorrow. God even did exceedingly abundantly. And in one contract 
he made more money than he has made in the last seven years. I mean, that's the wisdom of God. That's the wisdom of God. So please pay attention to what we are teaching and start taking steps to practice it. Glory be to God. Start taking steps. Start at least start with one thing. Praise God. Then when you have that one under your belt, you go to the next one. Then when you have that one under your belt, you go to the next one. And I'm telling you, after a while, these things will be part of your lifestyle. And you'll find out that they're actually easier than you thought they were. Praise the Lord. All right, so we've been talking about wisdom and under the topic of overcoming your greatest challenges, winning your toughest battles. I'm sure if not all of us, a good number of us have challenges before us, financially, materially, health-wise, maritally. It can be in any area of life. It can be. And you should not be depressed or downcast because those challenges are before you. The earlier you stop that, the better for you. What you need to learn is how to overcome them. The Bible calls you an overcomer. Jesus said you are more than conquerors through him. Hallelujah. He didn't say challenges will not come. He didn't say problems will not come. So it doesn't matter whether you find yourself in the toughest battle of your life right now. That, that's not, that shouldn't even surprise you. Like I've always said, learn to say welcome when you find yourself in those kind of things. James chapter 1, the Bible says you should count it all joy. Rejoice when you fall into diverse temptations, trials, and tests. So he's telling you that, look, your response even should be when you are going through difficult times is to be a joyful person. Not a sad or depressed person. Someone should put that in his left hand so you won't use it to eat a bad. That in itself is the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. Actually, I think I'm even overdue for a new joy party. Let's go and rejoice. Wake up in the middle of the night and for like 30 minutes or one hour, just rejoice so that God can level all the mountains in front of you. Praise the Lord. And make all the crooked roads to be straight. Amen. So we are to get wisdom. That's what Proverbs 4 tells us from verse 5. And we got to the part where we are dealing with one major avenue to believers getting wisdom. And that is walking in the fear of the Lord. Amen. Walking in the fear. Isaiah 11 from verses 1 to 3 tells us that's how Jesus conducted himself. One of the anointings on Jesus or the spirits on Jesus, they call it the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Um, Paul was writing to Timothy. He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So there is a spirit of fear and there is a spirit of the fear of the Lord. The one Jesus walked in and the Bible said that was the one he delighted in or the one he delighted in the most was the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And that's where we stopped last week because God gave us a word and what we said was that you should substitute the fear of failure. See, when you are fighting your toughest battle, when you are faced with your greatest challenges, one natural fear that may want to rub itself upon you is fear of failure. The Bible also calls it fear of death. And rather than allow the fear of failure, hey, I'm not going to get married. Because you are now 35 and you've not been able to find someone. Hey, I'm not going to break through financially. Because, I mean, for the last 10 years of your life, things have been tough financially. Your family background is as if things have been tough financially. Hey, I'm not going to be healed. Doctors say they don't have a cure to your sickness. You see, when you are facing those kind of things, the spirit of fear will want to get inside you and control your life. And what God told us is rather than embrace the spirit of fear, you can't stop the spirit of fear from coming. Fear is a natural response when adversity is before you. If you're a normal human being, you're a normal person. But what the Bible teaches is when that emotion, that's how we define it. There are two fears we're talking about. There is natural fear or demonic fear. See, sometimes it's not just natural. It has now gone to a point where demons are now involved. When people have frantic fear, phobia, they just get unusually afraid. 
Many times, sometimes it's an evil spirit involved. Rather than allow that spirit direct your heart, what you need to do is to learn to allow reverence for God, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, direct your heart. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Or like one text we studied, it is wisdom. So the spirit of fear, let, 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 me, let, me, let me continue from there tonight. And what I want you to see is that fear, whether it's natural, what do I mean by natural? Hey, um, you, go, you, you went to the hospital and the doctor told you, hey, your sperm count is low. You won't be able to have children naturally. You, an emotion will come upon you when you hear that kind of report. That's just natural. That's normal. We don't have a problem with that happening when you hear that. But there are some people, nothing, you know, they're even 24. Why are you afraid? They, they just don't know. It's not that they had any negative reports. They have practiced fear so much. So what is not necessarily a negative report, they're still afraid. So it can be natural or demonic. That fear is a weapon of the enemy. It's how Satan uses, what is, the Bible says it's what Satan uses to keep people in bondage. Keep people in torment. Keep people failing round and round. Year, year after year, failure. A repeated pattern of failure. Generations of failure. You need to know that. On the other hand, the fear of the Lord is wisdom. It will allow you to know what to do. In that situation. Okay, yes, your spam count is low, but there's something to do. I will tell you one thing the devil is afraid of. He's afraid of the blood. You don't know what to do. And when you do it, you will get results. Low spam count or no low spam count. Okay, economic challenges in the land. Rather than walking in the spirit of fear and every business you have tried for the last five years, nothing has happened. If you learn to walk in the spirit of the fear of the Lord, you will know what to do. People are making billions in Nigeria. And not all of them are Christians. How much more believers? Can I hear loud amen? So God said substitute. Say that with me. Substitute. The fear of failure. I can't hear somebody this evening. Substitute. The fear of failure. With. The fear of the Lord. If God showed me something tonight. Everyone that is under one bondage. Or one fear or the other. And you know, sometimes this thing comes out in worry. You see, um, fear can be expressed in worry, anxiety, anxiety, um, depression, sadness. I trust God that as we close the service today, you're going to come to this altar. We're going to spend a few minutes praying. You're going to drop those fears. Hallelujah. She substitutes the fear of failure with the fear of the Lord. And rather, you learn to walk in reverence for God. Fear is a weapon of the enemy. Hebrews chapter 2. We mentioned this text briefly last week. Let's study it a bit in a little more detail today. Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood. This is why the emotion of fear comes on us. We have flesh and blood. And we live in a fallen world. Flesh and blood. So, you are in your house, and you start hearing gunshots. Yeah, you, the emotion of fear will come upon you. You are sleeping in your house, and you start hearing people walking in the middle of the night. I'm robbing in your house. The, the emotion will come upon you. So, we are not saying the emotion will not come upon you. Are you with me tonight? What God is telling you is, don't let it grip your heart. Because if it does, you will fail. That will not be your story in Jesus' name. So, inasmuch then as we, the children, have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, talking about Jesus, he likewise shared in the same. So, Jesus came down to our level. And Jesus took upon himself flesh and blood. But watch this, Jesus was never afraid. There was nowhere it was recorded that the spirit of fear dominated Jesus' life. Rather, the spirit of the fear of the Lord was what controlled him. It was his delight. Hebrews, I mean, Isaiah 11 says, and Jesus is our example. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands and say, oh, that I may see Jesus. Knowing Jesus. This is one thing you should know about Jesus. He did not walk in the spirit of fear. Not that he wasn't tempted to. He was because he also took upon himself flesh and blood. 
No. A very good example is when he was at the Garden of Gethsemane. When he was about to go to the cross. And the Bible said, I mean, just the, the image. You see, he had seen them crucify people. He knew about the pain. And, whoa, whoa, that you take this cup away from me. But rather than yield to that fear, he yielded to God. He said, Never, not my will, but thine be done. That, that's the fear of the Lord. Respect for God. Praise the Lord. Likewise, he shared in the same flesh and blood. That through death, so he came as flesh and blood, and he died for us. Through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. Notice it had the power. Satan had the power. He doesn't have it anymore. Can I hear a loud amen? Jesus has stripped it away from him. Glory be to God. Another reason why you should not be afraid. He destroyed him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and released those who through the fear of death, or like we are talking about, talking about here, the fear of failure, were all their lifetime. Please, there's an answer here for somebody. Through the fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. This tells you why some people forever subject to bondage, all their lifetime. Why? The spirit of fear is what is working in them. The spirit of fear, it's a weapon of the enemy. You see, Satan does not have power to keep you sick anymore. Can I hear loud? Amen. He doesn't have power to keep you poor anymore. Praise the Lord. But what he can do, the Bible talks it's wise and tricks. He can scare you. Make you afraid. Hear bad news that triggers that emotion of fear. And if you don't learn what we are teaching, rather than walk in that spirit of fear, say with me, God has not given me the spirit of fear. If you don't learn not to yield to that, and rather yield to the spirit of the fear of the Lord, look at what he said, all their lifetime, Satan keeps them in bondage. Look at another text, Romans 8.15. Fear is a weapon of the enemy. Fear is the opposite of faith or the inverse of faith or the reverse of faith. So what God will do for you through faith or God will use faith to bring about things into your life, Satan will use fear to bring about things in your life and my life. Romans 8.15 For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. So look at what fear does. It brings a spirit of bondage. Forever trapped, going around the same mountain. Spirit of bondage. But you receive the spirit of adoption by which you cry about Father. So fear brings about bondage. Look at another text here, First John. First John 4.18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. Where fear starts dominating your heart, your mind, your thoughts, your life... There will be pain. There will be torment. That is all Satan has. That's his weapon. Not that he has power to torment you. No. He is only tempting you to be afraid. And what you have to learn is to resist the fear. Somebody shout, fear not. Fear not. And you can't successfully walk in the fear of the Lord... And still walk in fear. Now, it's possible, if going by Job's experience, Job was someone, the Bible told us, walk in the fear of the Lord. But yet, he was also a fearful man. That which I greatly feared has come upon me. So, here was a man that feared God, loved God, hated evil. But somehow, and look at what, if you, if you read Job chapter 1, particularly verse 10. Satan said, have you not made a hedge around about him? In other words, Job's fear had attracted Satan to his life. But God's edge of protection was there until God took away the edge of protection. So the temptation is always there. So Job was afraid that one day he will lose his wealth. You see, so a lot of wealthy people have that problem. See, it's not only poor people that are afraid when money is concerned. Some people, are, because of all the money in the bank, they can't sleep. I remember several years ago when I was still practicing my doing accounting profession, I went to work for this guy. He was doing this export business. I mean, I think he was exporting cocoa, so the guy was making hundreds of millions of naira then. But very hypertensive. He wasn't a believer. 
it got to the point where they recommended his song for him. So he was carrying a deck around, playing his song just to calm him down. Afraid. Hey, the price of the produce can crash and he will lose all his money. Fear. He had money. Fear. So when you have money, they're afraid. Job, children, you see, he said, that which I greatly feared has come upon me. What came upon him? He lost all his wealth. He lost all his children. He lost his health. So, somehow, wait, I've been enjoying good health for the next five years. Hey, wait, uh, uh, maybe sickness will come next year. You don't need that. <laughs> you don't need that. Rather, walk in the reverence of God. Praise God. Amen. One more text along this line. Second Timothy 1. I've quoted it, but look at it again. There's something, verse 6. We've been quoting verse 7. Look at verse 6. Therefore... 2 Timothy 1 from verse 6, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you. Hallelujah. Can you tap yourself and say, I carry something? something. Say with me, God has deposited something inside of me. I mean, you carry the Holy Ghost if you are born again, and the Holy Ghost is a gift from God. Then that's several other things. He said, watch, stir it up. In other words, if it's not stirred up, it will not work. So there are many people carrying around the solution inside of them, but they don't take time to stir up that spirit. That's what Paul was seeking Timothy. And watch why they won't take time to stir it up. Look at what he said. Put verse 6 and 7 together. I, I, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is inside of you through the laying of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So there are people that the answer to their financial problem inside of them, but because of fear, they are not stirring up. That gift in them. That's what the spirit of fear will do for you. What you should be doing so that you can get the wisdom you need, get the favor you need, get the connections you need. You are not doing it because you are afraid. It will end in your life from today in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. So Jesus taught us something. Please, let's look at this. Matthew 10. Matthew 10, 38. Do not fear those that can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. When your body is under threat, it is natural to respond with fear. When your finances is under threat, your health is under threat, your marriage is under threat, your career is under threat, the nation you are living in, economically, it's under threat. Fear is a normal reason, but look at what he's telling you, don't fear it. Don't fear it. Why? It will keep you under the bondage and the oppression and the torment of the devil. That will not be your story in Jesus' name. Please catch what we are teaching. You must not live in fear. Hallelujah. Rather develop yourself to live in the fear of the Lord. Not like Jobo. Because from his story we can see that someone can have both running in their life. But you will see some other people that they didn't have both. There was no fear. There was no fear. No fear of you can harm my body. I won't be afraid of you. Rather, fear him. So there are two fears here. One of them is the natural or demonic one. Where you are afraid because something is threatening your health. You are feeling symptoms, that's why you are afraid. No money in your account, that's why you are afraid. No marriage proposal, that's why you are afraid. Say, don't fear it. Somebody say, I refuse to fear. But rather, fear him. Talking about God. Fear God. You see, you see, this is the answer here. This is what to do. So I want to talk about fear versus fear. Fear as in natural and demonic fear versus godly fear. And what you should do is substitute the natural godly fear. Fear of failure, fear of death with the fear of God. Substitute it. Don't allow the natural fear to dominate your heart. When you are fighting your biggest battles, the temptation will be there. Praise God. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Let, let's read it from the Luke account, Luke 12. I, I love the way Luke, you know, Luke was a doctor. So many accounts went into details the other people didn't go into. Luke 12 from verse 4. 
same um, teaching, but just a little more detail from Luke's angle. Luke 12, verse 4. I say to you, tell your neighbor he's talking to you, sir. My friends, you see, you, you, you share these kind of things with people you love. I'm giving you wisdom for life here. Giving you wisdom for life. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body. Don't be afraid. Look, if you die, God forbid, you won't die in Jesus' name. If you die, you are going to heaven, sir. And it will be a glorious welcome. What are you afraid of? What's your problem? In any situation for a Christian, it is heads I win, tails the devil loses. Whatever the outcome, we still win. Did you get that? Heads I win, tail your enemy loses. You always win. Hey, if the guy doesn't marry you, God has a better guy. If the girl gives you, God has a better girl. If this contract doesn't work, the next one will be better. Stop being afraid of things. Hallelujah. Stop being afraid. Do not be afraid of those that kill the body. And after that, no more. <laughs> that they can do. No more. No, I mean, what else? Okay, you take my job. Eh? After that, are you going to take my salvation? You can't do any more. No more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Hallelujah. So we are talking about here. And I'm telling you, when you start walking in this dimension of godly fear, what to do to overcome the challenge that is assaulting you will be made known to you. You will stumble into it. Because the fear of the Lord is wisdom. And you will win that challenge. I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him. Who after he has killed, has power to cast in hell. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Please have your priorities right here. God is greater. Amen. Yes, I say to you, what you do, fear him. Again, this is, we are not afraid that God will hurt us. We just, the fear there is godly fear. Reverence for God. Look at verse 6. Are there not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God. If he takes care of the sparrow, he will take care of you. But every, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Please, what's matter in Bible? He didn't say they are counted, they are numbered. God knows strand one. From B's head and strand two from Jumoke's head. Numbered. Every strand has a number. Cut it to the roots. They know it will come back again. Strand one is still there. Shave your head though. under the screen. It's still there. The hairs, he's telling you how much God cares for you. That's why you are afraid is actually is rascality, to be quite honest. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Hallelujah. They are not. Praise God. So rather than embrace natural or demonic fear and allow it to start guiding our emotions, guiding our actions. You know some people, they are praying, but they are praying in fear. I was counseling somebody recently. He has gone to, practically to every prayer mountain. You know, I said, look, your first step is leave all this prayer you are doing. Go and build faith in your heart first. and establish the promises of God in your heart. Learn to live by faith. So they are serving God, but they are serving out of fear. Hey, if you don't serve God now, hey, if you don't pay our tithe now, hey, you won't get results that way. And that's not godly fear. That's not godly fear. That's the same negative emotion we are talking about that makes you anxious and troubled. And depressed and worried. You see, when Jesus talked about that sparrow thing there, he was now telling us an expression of fear. He's worried. The same thing he was teaching in Matthew chapter 6. Stop worrying about what to eat, what to wear, who to marry, where to live, which car to drive. Say, stop worrying. You see, worry is an expression of fear. And it keeps you in bondage. Shout out loud, I refuse to fear. And we have to deal with this contention. David thought about it. You see, you see what, what I want to see here is fear versus fear. You use one to dominate the other one. Praise the Lord. 
And what we have to do is to use godly reverence to dominate natural or demonic fear. Psalm 27. Let's look at what David taught. Psalm 27. I want to just see two, two powerful psalms here. You can't do anything about natural fear because you have flesh and blood. 2019 elections are coming. Many Nigerians are afraid. And all these reports we are hearing, natural fear can be said, but it must not grip your heart. Can I hear a loud amen? And this is what to do. You substitute natural fear with godly fear. Or, watch what David said here. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Hallelujah. The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, he was in a tough battle for his life. That's what we are talking about. How to overcome your toughest battles. When the wicked came to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise up against me, in this I will be confident. Verse 4, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beat of the Lord and to acquire in his temple. Verse 5, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me on high. You, you read on and on, you will get the gist of what David was saying. When I was faced with the temptation of natural fear, I turned to God. I didn't allow the fear to dominate me. My life was on the line. I was the number one fugitive in the land. The king and his soldiers were chasing me, an army encamped around me. But rather than embrace the fear, I turned to God. That's what you do. Turn to God. He turned to his confidence in God. Faith. So it can be fear versus faith. You will be tempted when you are facing your toughest battle. Ah, this thing is not going to work. When that emotional, and you will know when it happens. Some of you may even be feeling it now as I'm talking. What do you do? You do what David said. You do what Jesus thought. Rather, fear God. Rather, David said, I will turn to God. The Lord is my light. He didn't embrace the fear. The Lord is my salvation. Look at Psalm 46. The same thing he taught there. Glory be to God. Is somebody getting something? Psalm 46 verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Okay, what does that mean? Verse 2. Therefore, we will not... Uh-huh. So rather than fear when we are faced with economic difficulties, health challenges, marital problems, ministry challenges, what should we do? We turn to the reverence of God. We turn to faith. We turn to trusting in God. We turn to promises of God. We turn to the love of God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We turn to the power of God. We turn to the help of God. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the whole earth be removed. Doesn't matter what is happening all over the world. And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though the waters roar and, and, and be troubled. Though the mountains shake with its swelling. This is what we'll be focusing on. When all that is happening, watch what we are. We are focusing on God. We are focusing on God's promises. Verse 4, this is what is on my mind. Even though all these things are happening, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Hallelujah. The holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Somebody shout, I will not be moved. God will help her. Say with me, God will help me. This is what you should turn to rather than embracing the fear. Is teaching the same thing Jesus taught. When you are facing your toughest battles, you need God's wisdom. And if you will embrace the spirit of fear, 
or timidity or negativity or anxiety or depression, you will not get it. But if you will turn to reverence of God or to God's promises or to God's love or to God's favor, anything, that's how you will overcome. Glory be to God. So this is how Paul summarizes in Hebrews 13. Look at Hebrews 13 verses 5 and 6. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Saying the same thing Jesus and David just taught us. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you. Nor forsake you. Is that good? Do you know that that thing you are going through that is tempting you to be afraid? Do you know that God is with you in that challenge? Do you know that God has not left you? Do you know that God has not forsaken you? Hallelujah. So all that is, verse 6, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Glory be to God. That's what to do when you are tempted to be afraid. You boldly say, hallelujah. You turn to the help of God. You may not feel it, oh, that's not what we are talking about. It may have been there for years. Saul chased David for nothing less than 13 solid years. But David is telling us how we overcame. When fear came, hallelujah, he turned to God. When fear comes, turn to the help of God. So that we may boldly say, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Hey, if God doesn't move, we will die. Is that what he's teaching you there? No. What are we to boldly say? When we are in trouble, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man, situations, circumstances, the natural will do unto me. However negative it looks. Glory, glory, glory be to God. Are you with me tonight? How many people are making a commitment not to fear again for the rest of your life? Now, that doesn't mean you may not make mistakes. So, but you see, once you catch the revelation, when you find yourself that you have made a mistake, you go back. You are sure. No more fear. And you go back to these scriptures when you know you are afraid. I mean, I told you last week, that day, when they told me that, hey, you may not be able to have faith. I, honestly, it didn't bother me. I had faith. It didn't bother me. We, we didn't even make it. A, we thought it was just, but after one year, two years, three years, one ordinary day, it wasn't anything. It didn't have just been piling up. That delay, you know what delay, you know delay can bring fear. The problem is already there. Then delay now introduces or injects another inflow of fear. I was just in my room that day. I mean, I, just, I knew the thing just it ran down my spine. Hey! <laughs> the negative broke through. Thank God I knew some of these things. Ah, I knew, man, something level has changed negatively in the spirit. I knew we were not where we were that morning when I woke up. And I dug in. That's what you do with fear. When you are fighting your... This, this is where the victory is for many people. This is where the defeat is. What fear is gripping your heart? And if it is the fear, natural fear or demonic fear, it's sometimes it's, it's not just natural anymore. It's now satanic. You have not had anything, no. But you just don't think you're going to have a nice day. See, even if you woke up and they said, ah, they have sagged you in the office. I can understand that one. But you, some people just wake up and they just expect negative news. When it's like that, it's now demonic. It's the same thing if you say, ah, hey, when, you, um, when they went out, your wife, they had a car crash. I can understand that one. But no, I mean, nothing. So sometimes it's demonic. And you know Satan can manipulate the natural. The Bible calls him the God of this world. You don't need it. When it comes, and it will come from time to time, what did Jesus teach you? Choose godly fear. Choose the promises of God. Choose hope in God, faith in Him, trust in God, help of God. Fear versus fear. So I, I want to close tonight and this series by telling everyone, challenging everyone, and encouraging everyone to develop yourself in godly fear. That's what we need. A solid development in godly fear. Remember the fear of the Lord is wisdom. And I'm telling you, if you learn to do this thing, you will always win in life. Can I hear a loud amen? 
it doesn't matter how the circumstances are if you will learn to develop rather than embracing natural fear a solid development somebody say solid development see why is my life like this I, I've, I've shared this with us many of us you see you are working at a level i'm telling you you can you can have explosion instead of god giving you one government contract god can give you all of them i mean that thing lagos wanted to do they said they wanted to build four theaters or so so the normal thing is like, okay let me just bid for one the other are you the only one in the industry they mobilize them to do all of them after god gives you all the one in lagos god can give you all the one in nasarawa as well praise the lord praise the lord so we can go beyond wherever you've been before so I'm not saying you're not working in reverence for God. I'm saying develop it. How far should I go? Go like the kind of level Joseph went. So that, that's what these stories are for. When the day God spoke that word to me, why is your life like this? He was teaching me from Daniel. I know you have faith, Pastor T. I mean, we can see. But hey, do you have faith like Daniel has faith? Or are you walking in faith? And it wasn't to condemn me. It was to challenge me. Study Daniel's life. Study Joseph's life. Look, look at Joseph's situation. Hallelujah. Genesis 39. He was now in Potiphar's house. You know the story. Potiphar's wife started looking at him and told him to lie with me. Look at his response. Just to know that. I mean, how in the middle of slavery, slavery that you don't belong to, in the middle of his life crisis, he still remembered God. That is high-level development in the fear of God. When the woman now tempted him, this is what he told her, verse 9, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Hallelujah. There was nobody there. But his reverence for God was still controlling his life, even though he was a slave. Even, it wasn't that he's now president or prime minister. No. In the middle of his challenge, he still remembered God. He still remembered God. Hallelujah. Tap your neighbor and say, develop, develop yourself. You see, it, it, takes, it, it takes a level of commitment to do what Joseph did there. Takes a level of commitment to do what he did there. When his brothers came back, or when the family now hit and his brother came, at first he hid himself from them. He eventually revealed himself to them. When their father died, the brothers, the Bible said the brothers were afraid. They said, ah, maybe Joseph did not do anything to us because our father was still alive. Now that our father has died, hey, he may now take out, because that's the natural thing. Hey, you put me, you sold me, my brother. But look at what he told them. Genesis 50. Again, you will see that God, the will of God, the mind of God, the word of God, the wisdom of God was what was guiding him, not his emotions. Not the pain of his problem. You know, some of us, is the pain of our problem that is moving us to do what we are doing. So the number one thing for Joseph was reverence for God. That's why he didn't sleep with Potiphar's wife. He didn't even say, why will I do this sin against my master? Why will I do this sin against God? And this is someone that had every reason to say that God has disappointed me. Where was God when my brothers were selling me as a slave? Where was God when they were selling me as a slave to Potiphar? Have you been there before? Where because of the adversity you are going through. Hebrews 13 says that um, God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. God has forsaken me. So why, why should I obey God? Why should, why should I serve God? Why should I obey God? See, when people respond like that, it lets you know the level of their work in the fear of God. And we should learn from people like this that, hey, it doesn't matter what I'm going through. Let me still reverence God in this situation. Now, this one was a positive situation. He was now the prime minister. If he killed those brothers, first of all, nobody can challenge him. <laughs> he 
Number two, anybody that challenges him, when he tells them the story, they will say, ah, we understand. In fact, you only kill them. If I were you, I would have cut them into pieces. Natural. But what did he tell them? Verse 19, Genesis 50. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. See, fear, natural fear had already gripped their hearts. No, no, no. For am I in the place of God? No, it's not for God. I will have killed you guys. <laughs> but I'm not in the place of God. Verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me. He's talking to people that did him evil. But God meant it for good. In order that he may bring about as it is this day to save many people alive. What an attitude. And that was a 13-year ordeal he went through. From slavery to prison. Hallelujah. So he chose to respect God in his good times and in his difficult times. When he was a slave, he feared God. When he was prime minister, he did what? Develop high-level fear for God. And of course, we know how Joseph ended up. Let's look at Daniel. I want to close with Daniel. Daniel was also an interesting story. Daniel 1 verse 8. So they brought them as refugees, as captives into the land. Verse 8, Daniel purposed in his heart. You see, this is how you practically walk. You see, this thing is not a theoretical sermon I'm preaching, no. I said that last week. It's not theory. So you don't get to a point where they have destroyed your nation. Most likely they had killed Daniel's parents. They are taking him captive. Let's bring it to our situation. Something you may identify with. You lost your job or your business crumbled. Your wife left you. Your child is sick. And you've done everything you know to do and the child is not getting well. Then you now start disrespecting God. After all, if God was there, why would they allow him to destroy our country? Why would they allow my wife fall sick if God was there? Why would they allow me to be going through these challenges? No, you don't understand that God will never leave you, God will never forsake you. Those are the things these people, they understood what Paul was saying in Hebrews 13. So, when they brought them captive, verse 8, Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies. Man! After you have just been made a captive, reverence for God. Reverence for God. He will not defile himself, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested for the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And of course, these things always brings blessing. Verse 9, now God brought Daniel into favor and goodwill with the chief of the eunuchs. Verse 15, so you know what happened? The eunuch said, hey, this thing you're asking us to do, hey, you are, you are making me risk my head, though. I fear if Nebuchadnezzar should hear, he will kill me. Then I said, let's test it for 10 days. And after 10 days, God honored them. At the end of 10 days, their futures appeared better and fatter in flesh. May you be better and fatter in flesh than all your peers. When you fear God, sir. When you respect God. When you don't, because of the challenges you are going through, ignore God or forget God or despise God. Purpose in his heart. I'm still going to do what God told us to do. Hey, God has God didn't deliver us when they came to attack the country. We are now captives in a foreign land. But I will still fear God. I'm now a slave in Potiphar's house. I will still reverence God. I won't say there's nobody that can see me here. Are you learning something? You sure? They were better. And fatter in flesh than all the young men. The young men were also Jews, or national <laughs> from other countries. All the brethren in church, they were doing that thing. Other believers were doing it, but that man said, "No, I will fear God." The condition in nation has now gone so bad. Even the Christians are now giving the bribe. I won't. Reverence for God. Reverence for God. And what did what happened at the end of the day? Verse seventeen. Let, let's read from verse seventeen to the end. I know some of us know the story, but it's good to remind 
ourselves about these things and to encourage yourself, particularly if you are going through your own test now. Praise the Lord. Uh, you guys are not sounding excited. I said, praise the Lord. You can't afford to make this thing a theoretical sermon. You are going to need this thing for your work tomorrow when you go to work or your home tomorrow. There will be situations that will present themselves to you that will test, like Abraham, your fear of God. And I'm telling you how you respond can make all the difference. As for these four men, verse 17, God gave them knowledge and skill. You see, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Because they reverence God. God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. May God give you the wisdom you need to overcome your toughest battles in the name of Jesus. That was the wisdom Daniel and his three friends needed to overcome in their captivity. That wisdom God gave them. They would have perished or remained refugees and slaves like the other Israelite brother that had no reverence for God. But because they stood, hallelujah, God gave them something. Verse 18, now at the end of the day is when they finished their schooling, when the king had said they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. Hallelujah. May doors of favor, may doors of promotion before kings be opened for you in the name of Jesus. Please develop yourself in high level fear of God. Develop yourself. At least you don't start, it's not the day that they want to test you to eat the king's delicacies that you now want to start practicing it. Mm -mm. You can't build your house in a storm. Hallelujah. And in all matters, verse 20, of wisdom and understanding. Say with me, the fear of the Lord is the wisdom of God. About which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers. And they were in all his realm, that were in all his realm. Hallelujah. Daniel chapter 6. Let's read that as well. And then we close. Daniel 6. The, the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Again, classic story of just respect for God. Respect, reverence for God. High level reverence for God. So the enemies of Daniel came together. Hey, the only way we can ever... God, God just kept promoting him. God, God, hallelujah. God kept increasing him. The only way we can catch this guy is if we do something about him and his God. We see that he prays. So let the, they made the king to write it. Nobody should pray for the next 30 days. Verse 10 of Daniel 6. And the law was clear. The punishment was clear. Anybody that calls on any other name, apart from the king, we are going to throw him into the lion's den. Now, which one do you fear more? The lion's den or the reverence of God? That's the test. That was the test. Which one do you fear more? Do you fear the lion, the mouth of the lion, more than you fear your God? This takes development to, hallelujah. God help me to, me that I'm preaching this, I want to help me to. This takes development. You grow in it. In the place of worship, in the place of prayer, in the place of knowing Jesus, knowing God. Verse 10 of Daniel 6. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, after they made a decree, he went home. I, I love this verse. I love this verse. Every time I read it, it just tears something up inside of me. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, please watch what they said here. He knelt down on his knees three times that day. Like we pray normally three times in this church, 5.30 in the morning, 12 noon in the afternoon, 6.30. Now, we are not asking you to do all three of them. But at least pray, even if it's just one session a week. And that's talking about praying with the church, or not your personal prayer. Hey, don't tell our pastor, just say we should be praying one day in a week. Your business, that's not what I'm teaching. <clears throat> three times a day. This wasn't even corporate prayer, it was personal prayer. But watch something they said here. He knelt down on his knees three times that day, prayed and gave thanks before his God 
as was his custom. That's what I want you to catch there. His custom since when? Since early days. Had been doing this since I was a young boy. If you like, throw me into the mouth of the lion. I will still pray to my God. I reverence him more than I am afraid of your lion. So, of course, they threw him in the lion's den. And by that time, the king now realized what the people that made him sign the law had done, but it was too late. The law had already been signed. Verse 20, the day after, the king came to the lion's den. I love what the king said here. He cried out with lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, watch this, Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God. Servant of the living God. Hallelujah. They recognize that in his life. This guy serves his God. Servant of the living God. Has your God whom you serve continually. Serve continually. Has he been able to deliver you from the lions? Verse 21. Daniel said, O kingly forever. Verse 22. My God sent his angel. You see, when you fear God, he will protect you. He will deliver you. Sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they were not, um, so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent. And I love verse 26. The king now decreed. I make a decree. And in every dominion of my kingdom, men must. Somebody say must. This is the testimony that came out. They must tremble and fear. They must tremble and fear. They must tremble. This is godly reverence we're talking about. Not that God is going to kill us. They must reverence the God of Daniel. Oh, hallelujah. Rise on your feet. Let's close. There are some other things the king said they want you to look at. Somebody said we must tremble and fear. Before the God of Daniel. Hallelujah. That was the key there. Watch what the king also said. For he is the living God. See, we are not reverencing him because we think he's going to kill us. Or we think if, if, if we don't reverence him, he's going to send us to hell. No. Why, why must we tremble and fear before the God of Daniel? He is the living God. Hallelujah. He is steadfast forever. This is why you reverence God. His kingdom is one which shall not be destroyed. Hallelujah. His dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues. He walks signs and wonders. This is why you should gravitate towards reverence from God rather than being afraid of the lion. The lion can only kill your flesh. Hallelujah. That's even if God allows them. And if they eat you, by this time tomorrow, you are sitting with Jesus in heaven. Celebrated as a matter. Please, so those scriptures were given to us because, look, there will be times where you are thrown inside the fiery furnace. And the question is, do you reverence God more than you fear the fire? Hello? I don't apply this to your financial situation, your health situation. Because nobody is going to throw anybody inside fiscal fire in 2016 or 2018. But these things were written for our admonition. They will be you. It's fear versus fear. Hallelujah. And the one that grips your heart, that, that's the one that determines the victory. If it's the fear of the fire that grips your heart, you will not have victory. If it's the fear of the lion that grips you, you won't. But if it's the fear of God, hallelujah, you will win. Why should we fear him? He delivers and rescues. He walks wonders in heaven and on earth. He has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Why should we fear him? Verse 28. So this Daniel prospered. You will prosper. See, when you walk in re high level reverence of God. See, when we teach reverence, it's not just for church service. So it's so easy to embrace. I will fear God in a church service like this. I mean. It's when the money is low and someone is tempting you to do something shady. That's when are you more afraid of God or more afraid of not having money to pay your rent? 
That's what we are teaching here. And it's not when you are faced with that challenge, you now start confessing reverence for God or start praying for God. Mm, it's too late by that time. Hallelujah. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. You will prosper in Jesus' name. Whether it is Buhari in power or good luck Jonathan or who is coming in next. Is he Atikuna? Everybody has the come to Atikuna. It doesn't matter. Praise the Lord. It doesn't matter. The preceding message was brought to you by King's Word Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-00-006-40.